Well, we are, thank you all. We have been, last two weeks we've begun on Wednesday night in teaching foundations. And um, <clears throat> all year long you will hear me review about what we're doing in regards to how we're fulfilling and, and walking out the vision of Gates of the City and, and what we're here to accomplish. And um, on vision night back in January, <clears throat> I talked about four, one of the things that I discussed was four keys to a discipleship process. Because in, at Gates of the City, our purpose is to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And to go and make disciples and what that looks like. And the four keys that I talked about were... Number one, services, when we gather together and we do the equipping part of, of discipleship. Um, our connect groups, uh, starting <clears throat> tonight, your, the connect group leaders will be given the people that are going to be in their groups. You'll be getting calls. If you're not a leader, you'll be getting calls from leaders in the next couple of weeks. And we're starting in March, our connect groups. The first ones will be in March, and we're going to go through September for sure. And then we'll decide the last three months of the year. This last year, as we had our first year of Connect Groups, the last couple of months of the year were kind of confusing and all with all the holidays and everything that, that happens. And so we're going to go through September for sure and then decide in the last three months. So be waiting for phone calls from your uh, Connect Group leaders and get involved. That's one of the keys is Connect Groups. Because we've got to connect with relationship. And, and in your connect group, you, when you get a call, and you're, you'll find out that you're part of a group, every group is short of people on purpose. And you will be encouraged to be thinking of somebody that you could invite to that connect group that's non-church people or people that are not part of this church body that would just you know, could, could come and, and, you know, sometimes you have friends that, yeah, you don't think that they would want to come to church, but they might come to a connect group. And so, you know, invite people to come. You're going you're, you're gonna to be asked by the leader to participate in that and making sure to fill up your group. There'll be uh, eight to ten people per group, and, and as those groups fill up and people from the outside and they, and they get past ten, then we'll just start more groups. And so we've got, a, we've got a good group of people. I really encourage everybody in here to be a part of, of a connect group because it's one of the keys of being part of fulfilling what the great commission was, and that was to make disciples. And God wants everybody to be a part of that. Amen? Third thing is leadership training. And throughout the year, you, you will see announcements and, and things that we will have going on of, of training and leadership and, and teaching people. Everybody on planet Earth was, has, has been created to lead something or somebody. Everybody is a leader. You, th you say, eh, you know, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just not a leader. You just don't think you are. We're going to help you figure out you are, and there's no telling what will happen to planet Earth when you become a leader. Amen? And, and the fourth key is the training of disciples. And you say, well, I thought you talked about leadership training. No, I'm not talking about leadership training. I'm talking about 
training disciples through all different kinds of classes. One of, one, one of the classes that will start in the next few weeks is uh, a class that we've entitled Genesis in the beginning. And if you're a if you're a new believer, you haven't been born again very long, or new people that get born again at certain times, it'd be good for you to, to be a part of this. It'll be a four-week class, and it's just going to talk about everything from A to Z that is the elementary things of being born again, what it really means to be born again, because born again doesn't make sense. When you've been born once, and you've grown up, and you're in a big boy or girl body, you know, being born again doesn't make natural sense. But Jesus said, and we talked about it last week, you must be born again. You must be. So those are the four keys. Now we'll just get into tonight. And, and, and my message tonight is, last week we talked about what salvation is and, and the importance of being born again, being born a second time. If you're sitting here tonight, you've been born once, Yes, you've been, if, you, if, if you're sitting here tonight, you've been born one time. But Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that to understand kingdom principles, you must be born a second time. And we discussed that, we talked about that last week. It would be good for you to go back and listen to the messages and, and make sure to get what you need in, in the understanding of born again. It really doesn't matter if you've been born again for a week or for 35 years well, it's important that that continues to be strengthened on the inside. You don't, you don't need to hear a message every week about being born again, but you need, to be, you need to know who you are, and from being born again, you have to understand who you are in Christ and what your position is in Christ Jesus. So as we discussed that last week, make sure to go back and, and just remember, if you took notes or re-listened to the message again, it's important to, to know who you are and to understand and embrace all the time and be thankful all the time and don't take for granted your salvation. Amen? Very, very important. Second thing in this, this topic of foundation that we are talking about, which is faith or a statement of faith actually let's let's go back and just review Jude 3 the one chapter of Jude and verse 3 we read this last week <clears throat> beloved while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints, to contend for the faith, not for faith and not for a religion or a denomination, but to contend for the faith, the faith that is the nature of believing in God and believing in Jesus Christ. And, and when, we, when we understand the nature of Jesus Christ and who we are in Him, when we understand His nature, then we're able to embrace what the faith is. And it's like a statement that you have built on the inside of you that you're able to share with someone else, and it's part of the discipleship mode, you're able to share with someone else what it means to be saved. Tonight we're talking the second part of this five-part message, and it may be more than five messages, but it's five parts. The second part 
is, is really and truly understanding what repentance is. Last week we talked about salvation and being born again. And tonight we're talking about repentance and really understanding it. Well, you know, to some people, repentance could be something that's like a, you know, an ugly word. You know, because so, some people may have something built up in their mind that repentance is, okay, like you're five years old and your parents making you tell little Johnny you're sorry for kicking him in the head, you know, or something. And, and so I'm, I've got to repent to little Johnny, and it's something I have to do and I'm being forced to do. It's not something that's a part of me. And so we have to understand this principle. It's part of the, these five keys under the title of faith or the statement of faith that has to become a part of you because when it's a part of me, I can help other people understand the same thing. So tonight, as, as we look at this and look through Scripture about what true repentance is, realize that as you're taking notes and as you're listening to what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit wants you to go and ask Him about these things. And as you go through Scripture, it's not just taking it because I said it, but hearing what, I, what I'm saying and apply it to your own life so you can help other people. Because we were called, the last thing that Jesus said before He left planet Earth was, go make disciples. And He wasn't talking to pastors. He was talking to all of humanity, right? So you're coming into gates of the city we bring the message of the Word of God to equip so that you can do the work of the ministry so that while we're doing ministry in the lives of other people, we grow up. We're not getting equipped so we can mature, so we can get a badge that says we can minister. No. We get equipped so we got some information to tell somebody else about. And you may have been born again for two days, and, and you're talking to somebody that's not born again yet, well, you're two days ahead. Right? We just got to stay ahead. You just got to stay ahead so you have something to give somebody else, but stay ahead in a way that you really believe this stuff. It's not just information. It's information that's part of your DNA because God is your creator and he made you this way. So he made you to understand and to know what true repentance is. Okay? So, follow with me. This will be a good message, not a bad one. Next week will be no. So, where am I? So, look at Hebrew, Hebrews chapter six. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6. I want to define the word repentance. And this is taken from about three different dictionaries and kind of put together. So listen to this definition. Repentance is to feel remorse or regret and to have such regret that you change your mindset and your thinking. To feel regret for past conduct and seek to change one's life for the better. 
to have regret and remorse, not just feeling bad about something. Sometimes, sometimes we can feel bad because we got caught at something. And, you know, who hadn't been caught at something, right? Everybody's been caught at something. But what God is developing in us through his word is this desire to have regret for something so that it makes you better, okay? If somebody does something to you and you get angry with them and you, you yell and scream at them and say ugly things that you shouldn't say, okay? Everybody's gotten angry in life. Everybody's gotten mad. See, we're all in the same boat together. You know, you can say, well, this person's a little madder than the other person, or this person gets, you know, irate over silly things or whatever. You, you can judge other people. A lot of times, people judge people to make themselves feel better, right? But the truth is, everybody's been angry at different times about something. And if I'm angry about something, to repent is to have regret for what I've done to a place where I begin to make changes in my thinking and, and mindsets or strongholds that I have that allow buttons to be pushed in my life where the enemy wants to make sure that I'm stirred up all the time. The reason that you can know that something is a spiritual battle is because if you get angry because people pull out in front of you in traffic, if you get angry about that, isn't it amazing how many people pull out in front of you? If the enemy knows that's going to push a button in your life, then, I mean, shoot, all he's got to do is, all the enemy's got to do is tell Joe Blow to pull his car out in front of you, hurry up and get along so you can get in front of this guy so he'll get ticked and, and, and chew his wife out or something, right? Because he's mad at someone else that cut out in front of him. So, so what, 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 if that's me, what I want as I'm sitting under the Word and I realize that that's wrong, what I want is to have a remorse and a regret to a point that I begin to find out why that ticks me off, and then I make some changes. So how would you make a change if somebody cutting you off in traffic really angers you? How would you make a change? With me, and that used to really tick me off, you know, and you know, I mean, I, I'd ha there's been times when my kids were little, I had my whole family in the car, and some guy cut me off, and I just knew he did it on purpose, and I just whoom, pulled up right beside him, and just, you know, I'm driving down the road like this, and my wife's going, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, what, what's that going to do, you know? I mean, what, I pull a pistol out and just, you know, blow the guy away because he pulled my, you know? I mean, What? And then my wife says something to me, and then I get ticked off at her for saying something to me. See? But the devil knows, and demons know what's going to push your buttons. He just makes sure people cut you off all the time. So we can blame the rest of the world, or we can change. Right? And that's what true repentance is. Making the change. And it may not happen overnight, which it won't. I'll just tell you right now. But how do you practice? You practice by somebody cutting you off. You feel the hair on the back of your neck rise up. You feel steam coming out of your nose and out every opening in your body. And you just bless them. Bless them, Lord. 
right? But you got to start somewhere. Bless them, Lord. Instead of pulling up beside them, pull up right on their bumper. <clears throat> you know, do something. Do, just make an effort to make a change, right? Because true repentance is going to have some, some corresponding action that follows. And that's how we do it. And you just do it. You say, well, you know, I don't know if I want to do it. Well, you get to the place where you want to do it, and then you start doing it. Amen. Where did I tell you? Hebrews 6. And verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This is the things that we're talking about. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. Wow. Sounds bad. And you know what? Things can be bad if we don't learn how to repent. So the reason that we need faith towards God and understanding true repentance is so that we don't sow and create a field of thorns and then fall into that and be consumed by this harvest of thorns and thistles and ugliness that we find ourselves sowing into. True repentance takes responsibility for the things that we do because we want to change. You're not, you're, you're not going to change just because somebody's mad. And, and, and you're not... You're not going to change in most situations just because it seems like you should. Because it seems like you shouldn't. Because in so many ways, we can blame other people and blame what other people do to us. And, and in that way, it affects us. We need faith towards God. We need a statement of faith that is being established inside of us. And we need to understand what true repentance is. It's having true and honest remorse and regret for the things that we do, but then we take the Word of God and begin to be empowered to follow through with right actions, with corresponding actions to what we really want to do. I'm telling you right now, you really don't want to be ugly. You don't. You weren't created that way. You don't really want to be afraid. You, you don't really want to be a selfish person. Not really. 
because you weren't created. It's not part of the DNA and the makeup of God inside of you. If you're born of the Spirit of God and the truth of God is inside of you and, and you continue to hear the Word, you weren't created that way. That's not, that's not part of your makeup. That's not who you are. So somewhere down the road, we were trained to be selfish. We learned through practice we were trained to be ugly through practice or through self-preservation or trying to protect ourselves. We were trained how to be that, th- this way. We weren't that, God didn't create us like that. It's not like God created you ugly and you're trying to get good. No, he created you good, and there's a devil out there and his demon, his third of the fallen angels of heaven that are working overtime to keep you ugly and keep you with an attitude. Hmm? We don't want to have attitude. We want to be delivered of that. We want to be people that are not falling into the thorns and the things that we've planted. We want to be people that are becoming liberated and changing our mindset and our attitudes. And it's something that has to, you have to become consistent at. Think of anything that you've ever begun to do well through practice. And it's no different in what I'm talking about tonight. If you don't practice it, nothing will change. Practice makes perfect. It's the same way with the Word of God and with corresponding actions that have to follow so that things become real to us. Then repentance isn't something that's a bad thing. Repentance becomes something that's a great thing. Because, man, when I'm, when, when I, see, repentance is for me, it's not for God. Before you cuss somebody out that cut you off in traffic, you are already forgiven. It's not for God. It's for me to help me draw closer to God. <clears throat> Look at John chapter 3. We're talking about repentance tonight. John chapter 3 and verse 3. And Jesus answered and said to him, to Nicodemus, the Pharisee here, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. He can't understand the kingdom. Repentance prepares the way of God into our heart and our soul one time through salvation and every day in our soul. You must be born again to see and understand kingdom principles. The first time through being born again, but then every day as your soul and your mind and your thinking are being renewed, And in essence, the Bible says, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions are being born again every day. In other words, it's changing all the time. So one time in your heart or your spirit, but every day in your soul. Because when a man becomes born again, he begins to understand what true repentance is. Because why? Because his eyes are opened up to see. 
Why, why would you have remorse or regret for something that you don't even think is wrong? So until you become born again, you're not going to have regret and remorse about certain things that, that you're doing that, that really don't please God. You won't, you won't personally have it. I mean, you cannot do something because someone told you you shouldn't do that. that, that that's no good. Because what, what about when they're not around? When they're not around to point things out, then what are you going to do? That's why God wants it to be something that's real inside of us. Repentance isn't a bad thing. Repentance is what creates true liberty and freedom. You know why? Because then you can be honest about everything you do. You can be honest with yourself. I don't have to hide what I'm doing. I don't have to be afraid of what I'm doing. I don't have to be afraid of somebody knowing or finding out something about my life that maybe, you know, they, you, you, back of your mind you'd think, well, you know, I could never tell somebody that. Well, maybe you shouldn't at a certain time or a place, but over time, you begin to realize, you know what? I, I've repented for the things in my life. I'm, I'm free of those things. Those things don't rule my life. And that's what repentance creates inside of us. One time in our heart, but every day in our soul. One time in our heart, but every day in our soul. Matthew chapter 4. It's always good to see what Jesus thought about things. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you know, the way I see that, I saw that passage a certain way when I first got born again, when I was first saved. But today, I see it as this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, so you want to make sure that you repent. No, nah, not, 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 even, not even like that. There, there's, a, there's a side of that in people's hearings that would, would make it sound like it's something you have to do. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You just got to get to a place where you want to do it. So what he was saying was the kingdom of heaven, God's way of thinking and doing in the earth is before you. So as you choose to repent for things that would contaminate that, it'll open the door for great things to come into your life. Amen? It, it'll open the door for the windows of heaven to be opened and, and things being poured out, revelation being poured out in your life in, in ways that you never dreamed of. That's what true repentance will create and open the door for in you. Another passage, just talking about repentance in, in um, Matthew 12 and verse 38. It says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment of, with this generation and condemn it because they, they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. 
a greater, he said, than Jonah is here. Who's that greater? Jesus. The men in Nineveh repented for not following the leading of the Lord, and God forgave them. And he said, in, in, in this generation and this people, if, if we don't receive from Jesus and learn what true repentance is, things won't go well for us. Things went well for the men of Nineveh, finally, because they came to a place of repentance, because they believed in the preaching of Jonah. How much more should we believe in the words of Jesus? Now, applying that to discipleship and why that's so important is that part of Jesus' last command was to go and make disciples and remind people of everything that I said. So the things that Jesus taught are what have to be a part of us, and he taught repentance and the benefit of repentance. Jesus never gave us information that didn't have reward to it. There's not anything that Jesus said or has to do with kingdom principle from Genesis to Revelation that doesn't have reward. See? So you never look at Scripture as a law or something that you have to do. It's, it's, it's the opening of a book of covenant of things that we have the privilege and the honor of doing. That's what true repentance is. There have been so many opportunities that I've had in my life, that you've had in your lives, to choose to not develop regret and true remorse. So many opportunities throughout the years that we have to not develop that. It's not something, I mean, to have remorse and regret about something that you've done doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to feel that way when you're doing it. But what do you do when you, you've made a mistake or you've done something that you shouldn't? What do you do on the heels of that? Do you push it down and you cover it up and you just make excuse for it? And well, if you hadn't acted like that, I wouldn't have done what I did looking for somebody else to blame. Or do we look at the thing and we judge it and we go to God and we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us What's the truth behind that? Because the truth that is behind things that I do always goes back, in, in most cases that I can think of, always goes back to certain contaminations or things that have happened in our lives where demon spirits bring mindsets or thought processes to get us to believe stuff that is true that's really not true. God's word is true. Everything else is a lie. Everything else is just information. God's word is true. And he works overtime to convince you that God's word isn't true by getting you to believe that God can't do what he said he would do. See? And, and what shuts that down, what I've noticed, one of the keys to shutting that down is what we're talking about tonight, and that's repenting and taking responsibility for my actions instead of blaming someone else. Every time you get in the blame mode, okay, repentance is nowhere to be found. That's where I heard a guy years ago talk about repentance, and he said, you got to wear it like a six-gun on your side. you got to be quick. you got to be quick. There's no room for El Diablo in my town. 
right? No room for the devil. No room for lies of the enemy. you got to wear it quick. Because if you don't, you'll find yourself in blame game and you'll find yourself taking the offenses of other people. You'll, t- you'll find yourself being upset and ticked about something else that's, that's happened to someone else and blaming other people for it. It's very quick and very easy for us to do those kind of things. And we've all done it. I can give the devil no place. Give him no place. So I'm quick to repent, take responsibility for my actions. You have to be quick. You have to learn to develop being quick to repent and taking responsibility and then letting corresponding actions follow with it. See, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to act it out and really live that way. Amen? Just, just in these last, wow, I'm really late. Um, Just a couple of places. Look what, look what the scripture says. I'm just going to read these about three passages of scripture real quickly. Look what the scripture says that produces repentance. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Just write it down if you don't have time to get there. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? And forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness or the kindness of God leads a person to repentance. Not the judgment of God, the goodness and the kindness of God. Well, where is somebody going to see kindness? Not in the sky. They're going to see kindness through you. Right? We're to be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece and the attitude and the actions. And how can that happen if we don't learn repentance and change our thinking and our mindsets and learn to develop true regret and remorse in our own heart? How are other people going to see that through us to them? They won't. It will only happen when you take, you take responsibility for the Great Commission and learn to... Be the disciple who is going to make disciples and find yourself reminding people of what he said. That's what this whole thing is about. Amen? 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 8. And I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 8. Can you, can you pull that up on the uh, New Living Translation? Do they have that? Pooh, yeah. Um, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you. This is Paul saying it to the church at Corinth there. Though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Verse 9. Now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. 
verse 10. For the kind of sorrow, or that word sorrow there is repentance, God wants us to experience, leads us away from sin and results in salvation. Remember I said one time in our heart, but day to day in our soul. That's the salvation he's talking about. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And that sounds pretty drastic, but what they're talking about is what we've just been reading. The spiritual death part is not being able to connect and, 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 and be, be a part of the kingdom way of living. See, the worldly sorrow or repentance, it keeps you away from staying connected to the way God thinks and how he operates. So then you're not on the receiving end of what faith produces and what true salvation re- produces. You can be born again, but if you're doing nothing with it, it won't produce the results of being freed from sin and, and being alive in God and being on the receiving end of the things that God wants to do for you. What God wants to do for me takes me getting up and doing something and allowing corresponding actions to follow suit with what I say I believe is true. Because you can confess it all day long, but if I choose not to do if I choose not to deal with the anger that the demon spirits stir up in me when someone tries to cut me off in traffic, if I don't choose to deal with that, you can be born again, you can confess the word all the time, but you're going to stay ticked off every time somebody cuts you off in traffic. And I had to start in, in, in that, that little example right there, I, I had to do things like somebody cut me off, I just pull over. We're stopping this. This is stupid. I'm 35 years old or whatever I was, or I'm 40 years old. This is ridiculous. Let's get over this. The guy just pulled out in front of you. Quit being so upset. you got to talk to yourself. Pull over the side of the road. No pulling up beside the guy. No acting ridiculous. No having to repent to my family for acting like a jerk. Corresponding actions have to begin to follow. God will show you how to do it. Amen? He'll show you how to do it. And then Acts 3, and I'll end with this. Acts chapter 3. Kindness leads people to repentance. Godly sorrow is what causes true repentance to manifest and understanding that and and embracing it. And and this is a great verse of Scripture. Uh, Acts 3 and verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that what? that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. This was in the early days of the church, in the beginnings of the church. The Apostle Peter was teaching and preaching to these people to repent. And as a result of that, understanding and just what we're talking about tonight, true repentance 
will create times of refreshing and refreshment to your soul. Times of refreshing, and I'm just, I know I'm wearing this little example out, but times of refreshing. When someone cuts you off in traffic and in the past you were angry and you chose to pull over and to deal with yourself, and what happens is there's a time of refreshing that comes to your soul. To be able to get back in traffic and just drive and not be moved is a victory. You know why? Because you proved to the devil that greater is he that's in you than the guy in the car that cut you off. Don't think for a second. Don't you think for a second. It was just coincidence. 20 days in a row somebody cut you off in traffic. It's a spiritual battle. And something as silly as being upset from some traffic incidents, if that's all they've got to do to keep you stirred up, you're easy in their eyes. You're not easy. I'm just saying you're easy. So think about what creates buttons being pushed in you. And I'm telling you today that true repentance before God, developing day-to-day true regret and remorse, will cause you to be liberated in your light and life and bring times of refreshing. So you know what? You can be a refreshment to other people. You can be kind to other people in a way that will cause them to repent. Anybody ever been in a situation where somebody was really ugly and you had every right to do whatever you needed to do and you chose not to and it just changed them? I was at a bank years ago when I lived in the Rio Grande Valley. I was at a bank teller. I walked up to the teller, and uh, this woman was just irate. And, you know, I'd only been saved for a few years, and it wasn't, it wasn't my custom to ignore her attitude. And... You know, probably I was working on something I don't remember, but I, all I remember is just telling her. I mean, this is what came out of me. I said, God loves you. <laughs> I mean, the tears just... And I can remember it to this day. I don't remember all the details. I just remember it to this day. It so impacted me. You know, because what I wanted to do was can I have a supervisor over this lady is really ugly and she's just treating me and I'm a, I, you know, I, I, I'm part of this bank here and I come here and she's acting like this and I mean, I could see myself raise my voice. The old me would have done something like that, made a scene. But I just said, God loves you. And just tears just streaming down her face and it grabbed me, you know. I don't know what else I said to the woman or whatever, but it just, I've always remembered it, and it's helped me to realize I don't have to respond in a way that's going to protect me when somebody's ugly. I can, I can lay my life down like Jesus did for the, for the good of other people and help them get free. Amen? And that's what understanding true repentance does in a person's life. So tonight, as I've given you this word, I just really encourage you to spend some time meditating on how you develop true regret and remorse for things that we do 
that need to change. And you know whether something needs to change. Laws of God are written on the tablets of your heart, and you know when you're not right. And don't blame someone else. And don't go reminding somebody to take this word and do something with it. You deal with it with yourself. Amen? You look at yourself in regards to this. Because it's vital that we grow up and we become people that can help other people and let times of refreshing flow in and on and through us to the lives of other people. Can you say amen? Amen. Good to have our newlyweds back from the Colorado Rockies. Amen? <clears throat> from the, the snow-infested mountains. Glory to God. Really good to have you guys back. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight that your word is alive, that it's well. Lord, we thank you. We're so grateful for allowing us in this time, in this season, to be alive and to be born of the Spirit of God and to really understand what being and living a repented life really is and what it looks like. Not something that we have to do. It's something we choose to live in to be empowered. Lord, I thank you for this revelation going deep in the hearts of every person here at the sound of my voice tonight. We bless you and we honor you and we give you all praise. And everybody said amen and amen.